You're listening to a new episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick, and uh, I'm pretty sure that it's going to rain any moment now. I see very dark gray clouds heading my way. There's a lot of wind as well. It's crazy weather. It's, it's really warm here in the Netherlands, way too warm. It's about 14 degrees, just insanely warm for this month. And at the same time, it's typical Dutch weather with a lot of wind and a lot of rain. So I've got my orange uh, supermarket branded uh, umbrella with me. And I'm walking in the direction of my uh, hairdresser to get a haircut. And uh, that is about 15 minutes, so 15 minute walk from, uh, from the Tridio Studios. As you can tell, I'm not in the village where I live where it's frankly so much quieter than here. It, it took me to move in order to realize that, how, how much of a difference it is to live in the center of the, in the heart of the city, like uh, where our Tridio studios are, and to live in that village. This kind of noise, people just always working, and I don't know what they're doing there. They're replacing the entire front door. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's probably a good thing that it's not too cold right now because the entire front door has been removed from this house and they're now currently uh, re remodeling uh, like a prefab door so that it fits in the hole in the, in the apartment. So I'm gonna get a haircut and that has to do with uh, something that's on my schedule for tonight. I'll uh, do an interview, like an extended one hour interview in public that will also be televised on a regional uh, broadcasting station. And the contents is basically my work as a priest in the media and in the church. So it's about my vocation, about the Vatican, about my work for TV, social media, etc. It's a lot of fun, but I only uh, this morning realized that it has been a while since I had a, a haircut and since this is gonna be tele televised, I probably need to fix that. So I've got a Syrian uh, hairdresser. Um, so it is um, one, of, one of the many, I, I heard that the number of hairdressers in, in uh, the Netherlands has doubled in the past two years. It's insane and you get a lot of immigrants that are starting up their own uh, salon. This is a, a hairdresser that I've known for years, ever since I came here to in Amersfoort. I've been their customer, and they uh, accidentally moved from the same neighborhood where I first lived to, to the, more or less the same area here in the city. So I moved with them, and they're extremely friendly. I just hope that there aren't too many people waiting in line, because it's a, it's a, they're very cheap as well <laughs> compared to uh, the Dutch hairdressers. But that also gives them a, a, a pretty big uh, number of customers so sometimes you have to wait for quite a while we'll see um, I'm just combining this with uh, a recording of the walk because so much so much happened the last time I um, I told you my experiences in the Holy Land well in a way it feels like I just came back yesterday <laughs> again because I've been editing all the material that I shot which was an insane amount I think 140 terabyte or was it no not terabyte gigabyte 
was a gigabyte? Yeah, a gigabyte. But anyway, <laughs> hours and hours and hours. I've been in the Holy Land for seven days and I've filmed almost nonstop from the morning till the evening. So all that material, the interviews that I did, but also a lot of the footage from uh, the, the various places that we visited had to be brought down to about 20 minutes, 25 minutes for my TV show. And unfortunately, uh, I realized very quickly while filming there that this was not something I could delegate because um, it would require so much time to go through all that footage um, that in order to instruct an editor um, from the outside, not only would it be really hard work because uh, there was so little time to put this together, but I would also have to spend so much time explaining the story and it's just impossible to hand this over. So I decided to do it myself. But you know what my relationship with the world of editing is. I know how to do it, but it's, it's something I don't enjoy. It's a, it's a ton of work and there are always lots of technical issues that I have to deal with. And uh, well, <laughs> this is, I'm, it always kind of works, but it, it is always a, like a race against the clock and, and so much extra energy because of the technicalities. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, I planned on uh, getting things done in time even though I only had about a week to uh, edit the show, but then, as usual, I'm, I'm running uh, uh, an entire platform with the Tridio. There are so many unexpected things, uh, tons of meetings. And so, ultimately, I ended up with three days left, one of which was my day off. And on Wednesday, I worked until uh, the middle of the night, and then... Uh, and then, as I predicted and, and dreaded, the, the, the final rendering caused all sorts of problems. And so I, I went to bed at four o'clock in the morning and the, 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 uh, I woke up at six, or at least the alarm woke me up at six because then uh, the rest of the morning I was, uh, I had to go uh, and, and, and have a, a, a like a, what was it, a brainstorm session or something like that with the pastoral team of the two parishes. And that was just one of the few occasions on which I cannot be missed because this is all about the general direction of, uh, of the work that we do. So I wanted to be there, but on two hours of sleep, it was pretty tough. But anyway, I, I put it together. I'm very happy with the result. I'm also uh, hoping to create a version uh, that you can watch uh, that is more international and I think that is uh, a part of our planning for 2019 and then yesterday I uh, I still enjoyed the morning session with uh, the other priests and the uh, lay people that work uh, in our parishes and also gave me an idea for the content of this episode because uh, one of the things that we did it's a we're a new pastoral team which is a merger between the teams of uh, the, my parish here in Amersfoort and the parish uh, west to our to, uh, the western part of where we where we live and uh, so we are still in the phase of getting to know each other better and hearing about uh, each other's vocation and priorities etc et so one of the questions that we uh, answered and shared with each other was 
What are your talents? What do you absolutely loathe? <laughs> I mean, what are, what are the boundaries or what, what are the things that frustrate you? It's very good to also share that. And uh, finally, who do you do this for, the work that you do? Obvious answer is for God. But that's, that's kind of the, uh, the pious answer. It's not often the, the real answer. <laughs> So um, we each, each of us answered those questions and uh, so me too, I had to think about that for a while. And, um, and so I wanted to share that with you as well. And it's, it's good from time to time to realize, uh, you know, what are your strengths? Have they changed over time? You, you may have talents that you've developed. People don't stay the same and so you always have to be careful in, in or I have to be careful in my own judgment about other people because as, as, as much as I can change, over the years, that is also true for other people. So always keep some room in your judgment for the evolution of people and, and sometimes how people can change thanks to God's grace. So I, I shared that one of my strengths that I've always had or talents is, is I am a very creative person. I love to be creative and uh, my work in the media is definitely part of that. I love telling stories. Whoa. That car needs to get a revision. <laughs> but um, I'm waiting uh, for, here for the lights to turn green. But uh, for me, the, the, the big motivator to, to, uh, to create podcasts and to work in, in television is that I love to tell stories, either with audio or uh, visually with, with, uh, by filming. I love to film it. The, the, being a cameraman itself, for me, is a joy. And so the same creativity is what I enjoy about my work in uh, the Sunday liturgy. I love to tell stories, to, to um, have homilies that, that people can picture, that they remember, that, uh, that keep them on the edge of their seats. And I, I, love, to, I love it when that works. And, and uh, it's something that I, I'm good at. Um, and again, we're talking talent, so it's, it's, it's something that I've received. There's no merit. It's just something that I notice I'm good at. And so it's a, it's a joy for me to share that. Um, the other thing that I mentioned, and that is relatively new, or that is something that I wanted to mention because it's something that has developed, especially this past year, is I've become so much better at leading. Leading the, the platform, leading, leading Tridio leading in terms of uh, negotiations. I, I remember that you know, month, a few months ago I talked about negotiations and how much uh, that was a challenge for me because of my, let's say, my past as a people pleaser and uh, being uncertain about my own value, always kind of projecting uh, what other people would think of me if I would uh, make demands or uh, uh, kind of put up boundaries. But because I had to, because it, for the sake of our mission, for the sake of Tridio, uh, for the future of what I do, you need to negotiate. It's part of the game. And to, even by considering it more as a game instead of as something super existential, um, it, it helped me master that much, much better. And so I, I'm, I think, much more courageous now to take decisions, to say what I want, to say what I don't want, and to add consequences to that and not doing anything that I feel contrived to do, that I feel pushed to do, 
Okay, that is someone with a little problem, I think. <laughs> it's funny how people's driving styles sometimes tell a lot about what's going on in their lives. But anyway, so I'm, I'm much better at, uh, 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 at saying where, where I believe I want to go. And if someone pushes me in a direction because it's not, it's not serving my vocation or my mission, but it's something that is in their interest and it's benefiting them uh, and it's uh, and to the detriment of me or the people that I that I want to protect. I'm much much better at uh, uh, standing up for myself. So I told them that I said I'm, I've become so much better at leading, at um, I'm at management in a certain way, but financial management, for instance, I'm very good with money. Especially, I'm very good at not spending it, not not overspending it. I know how to spend on quality if it's required. But I'm, uh, and, and that's, I think, the result of uh, my uh, experience now with the, the decluttering and focusing on the essential, not buying anything you don't really enjoy or need, uh, but always think in terms of, does this help my mission? Does this increase my happiness? Or is this just fear of missing out, uh, buying something without really thinking it through? And that has helped me a lot in running uh, Tridio in such a way that we don't have a financial problem. I want to make sure, and I've always, this has always been my thing, in the business world you always hear you have to invest before you can reap the benefits. You have to spend before you can gain. My opinion has always been um, you have to make ends meet and if you have certain limited means, make sure that you live within your boundaries, within your means. And I think that is very important for my personal life. That's why I don't have debt. Because ever, ever since I was in seminary, I've always said, I want to make sure that I don't owe anyone anything after I'm done with this study. I know for, for a lot of people that sounds like a dream, but I worked for weeks sometimes during the summer holidays to make sure that I could pay for my own studies uh, with the help of, of course of uh, the um, uh, allocations that, that, that exist in the Netherlands but I don't have accumulated debt and it's always a business principle for me um, also I think something that we should apply in our parishes as well unfortunately my parish is bleeding money because they don't have that financial discipline but I find that extremely important because it gives you freedom right it, if you don't owe anything you can do what you want in a certain way um, it's part of the our father forgive us our debts so Jesus wants us to be debt free <laughs> he wants us to he wants to help us with that he wants us to pray for uh, so that we can have no other debt to each other than than love than charity um, that is a business principle for Tridio as well uh, of course we do require funds and we I, I solicit the help of, of you uh, and, and uh, I do work hard, really hard, in television so that I can make money because it's not something you can do. This, 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 this kind of work is just expensive or more expensive than, than other types of work. But at the same time, I've always said, you get what you get. And I'm not going to spend what I don't have. And so in terms of, uh, let's give, give you an example for the, the planning, next year's planning. So we're working on this a new channel in the Netherlands and I'm working on 
uh, growing uh, what we do with Tridio internationally. And so we make a budget and we think about, okay, what's our current situation? What, what do we have to spend on uh, uh, the, uh, on, on, on what, I, what, do, what do I have to pay my bishop for this work? Uh, what do I pay Martin, who is a full-time producer now? Uh, Inge, who's uh, working half-time for us? And what's left? And if we expand, we have to make sure that we have... Oops, now it's starting to rain. Told you so. Let's put up the orange umbrella. And it's like, uh, it's raining hard. Hold on. Okay, there we go. And it's getting windy as well. It's a good thing I'm almost there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to split this uh, episode in two parts. One walking to the hairdresser, getting a haircut. And then I'll get back to you. Whoa, this wind is picking up really, really hard. So the, th the fact is we, we were very hopeful that we could uh, raise a bit of money, a bit, a lot, in the Netherlands for our channel, for our Dutch channel. Um, but we just ran out of time. I, don't, I still think it's, we, we will get there over time, but right now we don't have uh, any extra investors. So all the, all, everything we do extra will have to be paid with our current means and the current, and I'm also making a distinction between what, what the money that the patrons bring in, that is for international productions. I'm not going to finance the Dutch channel with that because it's earmarked in a certain way, or at least morally. And so we've been counting um, and making an estimate as how many members will we have in January, uh, like the Dutch version of the patrons. And that will basically give us a budget of about 300 euros per week. That's it, 300 euros. So that's, uh, what is it? Oh, around $350. What we want to do is bring a weekly television episode for that amount of money. And of course, most people in the business would say that is impossible. You have to invest much more. Uh, just uh, reinvest uh, money from from other sources of revenue. For instance, your t your television money, or or uh, I don't know, just take out of your reserves. But the reserves are there, so that we we can continue operations if something bad happens. If, for instance, I would get sick, or uh, I don't know, one of us may be out of the out of out of running for a, for a couple of months. We want to make sure that our mission can continue. That's why we have those reserves. So we're not going to touch those right now because there is no urgency. Instead, I'm thinking, how can we, what can we do for 300 bucks a week? And that's not much, but it pushes me to be more creative. And that's what I've always done. We ran SQPN back then on a shoestring budget. And I was very, very financially conservative, even almost I don't know, people probably didn't really appreciate that with me. But I've always said, we need to work on those reserves. We're way too fragile right now. And uh, once you run out of money and you don't have a buffer, then the mission stops. And that's what you don't want to prevent. So we were always running on extremely uh, small budgets. And, and I've brought that mentality to Tridio. But to a business, video, is much more expensive than podcasting. And you can't really kind of trick your way out of it, which you can do with a microphone. It doesn't really matter where you are as long as the content is good. The only investment it takes is time. Well, that's not with, with video. You have to uh, invest in equipment. You have to invest in editors. It's not something you can do on your own, like podcasting. So, it, but it made me very creative and it gave us so, so many ideas and helped us to do so much uh, ourselves. And 
And that's, I think, why we were so successful. And the same thing is happening right now with, uh, with Tridio. I'm used to shoestring budgets, and I love it in a certain way, because it, it, I think you need, to, you need to deserve your wage, wages. And before, it's so easy to say when you, you got a, a, a bag of money, okay, well, you got a ton of money, we'll, we'll just do whatever. It doesn't matter, we have the money anyway. If you don't have money, you're like, okay, but what can I do to kind of stretch the budget to its, to its limits? How can we be as efficient as possible and still make it fun? And, and, and it happens that if you have no resources or very little resources, the end product is going to be so much better because you're pushed creatively to do something original and to come up with ideas. Look at, look at how a lot of vloggers started. They didn't have any budget or investors. Well, most of the successful vloggers that may now be, uh, you know, have a huge audience, they started with nothing and that made them so successful. Because it, they, had to do, they had to be real. They couldn't invest a ton of money into, you know, making sleek uh, video and editing. Uh, and, and, and so it was always a, a little bit, I don't know, just let's keep it simple. And that made, that created a new genre. Well, that's one of the things that I believe we can do um, for a Dutch channel as well. We don't have to start off with, you know, super duper Netflix worthy productions. We can, we can with a little bit of creativity, we can do a lot. Um, and so that's one of the one of my principles for next year. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that we will get that we will get there. But it requires careful planning. Well, I'm here at my hairdresser called Yona. Uh, it's uh, busy, but there are no people waiting there, so I probably can be helped quite quickly. I'll be back uh, with a lot less hair, or even less hair than I currently have. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Uh, in insert the sound of, uh, of hair being cut here. Razors, electrical razors. Uh, sound of a television playing in the background. While I'm having my hair cut and I have an, uh, a conversation with the owner of the of the uh, of the establishment, it was a you know, almost a friend now from Syria has a family here and I've known them for 15 years now uh, because I don't have a jingle normally I would play a jingle to indicate that time has passed but <laughs> just imagine that oh I know why why you hear so much sound. I forgot to put the um, windshield back on, so let me do that right now. Because <laughs> there's a lot of wind. It's picking up, actually. So I've got about a 15-minute walk back to finish this recording. Uh, while I was waiting for my turn, I asked Inge to uh, patch this together, the two parts that I'm recording now, so you won't have uh, to interrupt your listening session <laughs> anyway so I had an interesting conversation I told him that I went to Israel so we talked about the situation in the Middle East and uh, and he has fled from Iraq uh, during the the war there with his family and started uh, uh, his business here actually it was I think here that he he, uh, he learned uh, to cut hair and at first he told me he didn't like that work at all. He was like, ah, it's nothing for me. I think he worked for someone else. And, uh, and then he discovered 
that actually, if you have, if you're uh, cutting people's hair, you have conversations, you learn a lot. And uh, it, it, it broadens your social um, horizon tremendously in a very short time span. And since he was here with his family, it was new, a culture that he didn't know, didn't really understand at first. He said, because I was talking to so many people every day, I felt at home very, very quickly. And he said, one of the other advantages is since that person that you're um, helping is, is, is watching you in the mirror, you have a conversation for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, depends. So the next time they see you at the supermarket or in the streets, it's like, they're super friendly. They're like, well, I, you're my hair cutter. And he says, it's a very different relationship than if I would work at a regular company or I would have a desk job. Then I would stay a stranger, and within a year he was convinced that this was the perfect work for him. And, uh, and he's been very successful. That's probably why I like uh, his... Uh, uh, why, I'm, why I've become you know, one of his regular customers. Because I see in him something that I admire and I strive for myself, and that is the, his entrepreneurial uh, spirit. He, he, so he, he changed his establishment. It, uh, with another uh, hairdresser and uh, so the other one was was working here and he wasn't too happy but the rent for this building was a lot lower than what he was paying in the part of the city where I used to live and so they made a deal and uh, he said whoa there's a tractor here there the street is half open and I think they're putting in some cables in the ground or something like that. Anyway, so he said the other hairdresser um, took over his business. So he'd been there in that neighborhood for about 10 years, very successful, lots of uh, uh, regular customers. He said the other one, the other guy, was out of a job within two months. He said the reason is he didn't change his mentality. It was a different part of the city. This part is kind of the lower income part of, this, of the town. People are... Uh, uh, more, it's a more diverse neighborhood, um, and it's the the uh, the uh, neighborhood where you used to live. Uh, people are very attentive to how you behave socially, and if you are not that much of a, a social guy, and uh, there was the other hair cutter, then that really can cost you your your business because people want to have a good relationship with you, and so you have to make sure that you do everything to to keep them as clients and, and make them feel at home, etc. That's what he's always done. Um, and he said th th that's the difference between, you know, two hairdressers, they may have exactly the same quality, but one is, a, is a, an entrepreneur and wants to help people and radiates that. And the other one is like, I just want to make money and I happen to be a haircutter and I don't really care where I'm cutting people's hair and I don't care about my clients as long as they pay. Then you lose. That is so basic, you know, business wisdom. The other thing that I noticed when, before I uh, stepped into the, the establishment was a note on the door that from, you know, January 1st, um, I, we will be closed on Mondays. And I know, he told me this, that he, that was something he dreamt, he's been dreaming of for years. He's like, I, I wish I had one day for myself because, you know, as a small entrepreneur, 
he had to do everything himself, including uh, the administration, financial stuff, etc. So during the weekends and even in all the evenings, he would be continuing his work after working for more than eight hours um, every single day. Um, he would still have a lot of work at home. And, he, and one of the downsides is he's getting older. Um, he's having some health issues. So he has a, a, a problem. Term. He just couldn't find the time to, um, to work out, to lose weight. So he was way too heavy for his age. That caused all sorts of problems, back pain, etc. Uh, not to mention just the stress of always being worried and not never having a vacation, never being able to just have some time off with your family. His kids, when he started, were very young, so they didn't notice too much. But now they're they're like I think 12 and perhaps even older. Anyway, they they were they want a dad they, who is there, and so he said. So I told him, yeah, no, congratulations, you're 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 closing shop on Mondays. And he's like, you're the first one who, tell, who congratulates me with that. And he says, I am so happy. And I should have done this years ago. And he said, but it takes courage. Uh, and, and that's part of the entrepreneurial spirit, spirit. He says, I know that if I tell people long in advance, you know, he, I, he's been communicating this for more over a month with, to his customers, to regular customers. He said, if I, I told them, I need some time to work on my health. I want to be there for my children. Could you please come on Tuesdays instead of Mondays? And he said, most Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it's very quiet, it's very calm. People usually go and get a haircut before the weekend. So those days we're working really hard. And then, you know, beginning of the week, it's very quiet. And, but, and that was one of the reasons that he kept telling himself, I got to work on Mondays because we're already getting so few customers. And now he said, you know, I, I, I I just made a, a decision and I had the courage to say, no, I'm going to take care of myself. I want to be there as a father for my kids. I tell my customers and I ask them to come on, on Tuesdays. And most of his regulars have already told him, well, he should have told us this earlier, well, we can come on Tuesdays instead of Mondays. So not only will he gain a day off and, and he will be able to work on his health and, and not to mention his uh, you know, his, his mental health in, in terms of everybody needs to relax and not work from time to time. So that will benefit him and his family tremendously, but it will also benefit his business because he said, now on Tuesdays, I will have the same amount of customers and normally I had to work for two days to get that number of customers. And so most people in this branch will not dare to do that because they are afraid that they won't uh, that they will lose money. And he said, sometimes you have to dare, you have to be courageous and, and follow your heart and, and still you know, be savvy about that and communicate with your customers. But you have to take decisions. You have to, uh, if you are afraid, you're going to lose. So anyway, that was a very, very interesting uh, kind of business conversation. We also talked about the Holy Land, the situation in the Middle East, and, and, and about how war... And, and mostly, you know, what is behind war is almost always greed. It's always about weapons and about oil and about money and, and, and people who benefit from war. It's almost never about ideology or about religion. He, he is a Muslim. 
they said, you know, in your Bible, um, it's all about peace, and Jesus is all about peace, and in the Quran too, you know, it's it. There are tons of of uh, messages that say, well, if there is a conflict somewhere, the world is big enough. Find a place where there is no war, and and but don't continue to wage war. And and so he's, I guess, a, a very moderate Muslim in that sense. And he said, he said too, it's like in the, in the whole Middle East, um, these wars are perpetuated by people that benefit from it. And I, I agree, I think that's ultimately it. And then because of the wars, you get traumas, you get damaged people, and, and a lot of it is illogical, is irrational. And it takes sometimes generations to heal. So it's not something you can solve immediately. That was one of the reasons that he decided to flee Iraq in the middle of that war, because he said, I will not things will not get better in my lifetime and I have I've, I think his oldest daughter had just been born and he's like I, I need to take responsibility for my family I need to to get away and uh, and a lot of his friends didn't dare to do that and he said you know I'm just I'm gonna do it and it's because of his uh, social I think attitude and his entrepreneurial spirit that he made it and actually really loves his, his work and uh, the life that he built here. And I admire that. And that's, that's true courage. So, a very inspirational haircut. <laughs> in, in the meantime, it's only getting worse weather-wise. So, it's gonna be interesting tonight to get to Utrecht for the interview. And I'm now heading home, um, or home, I'm heading to the studio home is home and that doesn't mean work and I'm gonna record my weekly show and uh, another thing that happened uh, in, in between the last episode and this one is uh, we developed we further developed the plans for um, a very exciting addition to the work that I do on TV and that is we're gonna do live streaming kind of in the same vein of what I do when I record my my show and the after show for my patrons um, it's a conversation, you know, where people are in the chat room, they can follow us live, they can uh, give comments and I can answer those comments and there's a, that's a two-way street. I love that about podcasting and about social media in general, it's so interactive. And that is, believe it or not, still mostly unexplored territory for people that work in the television business or radio business even. Although with radio sometimes you have, you know, people can call in, so you have a limited amount of interactivity. But even on radio, a lot is scripted and not spontaneous. Well, just so for your, for your mental image, I'm walking now with my umbrella in a horizontal position instead of a vertical position because there's so much wind and rain coming from my left side. I'm trying to shield my microphone and myself from that. So anyway, I've got a big orange <laughs> umbrella in my in the corner of my left eye right now the um, the uh, w one of the things that we uh, decided to we I think I, I, I played a, a big role in that in, in promoting this idea is that uh, th there are um, there's uh, things are moving in the world of television and they do realize that they need to be more interactive but the thing is 
and I've seen this so often with social media, um, the re for all the wrong reasons. The reasons that they use is, well, we need to get more on social media, we should be uh, doing things on the internet because that's where the, the eyeballs are. And uh, otherwise all the vloggers are gonna eat our lunch. But that's not the true reason why you should be involved in social media and, and have a web presence. And so when I heard that they wanted us to do something, I, I started with, well, why would you do that? And what is the, the purpose of this? And that goes back to the purpose of, of the, the, the public channel that I work for. I, as you know, I work for a Catholic organization that merged with a Protestant organization, even though the, both of the um, colors, as it were, the uh, religious colors are still present. So we do make programs that cater to Catholics. We do make programs different programs sometimes that cater to Protestant audiences. But our purpose is not to win the battle for eyeballs. The purpose is to serve our audiences and to build community. And since we are a public channel, we have a public responsibility to show what's going on in these different demographics in our society, to bring people together by telling their stories. And that should be always our goal, our ultimate goal. It's not making money, it's not entertaining people, it's bringing society together, keeping society together. We have a cultural and social role. And so whenever you venture into a new territory, like for them new is online, <laughs> that should be your purpose. Before you do anything, you need to know why you do it, and that's to bring people together. And that's why I suggested, because first they were you know, coming up with ideas, well, perhaps you can uh, film some extra material while you are filming for your TV show, and then we edit that together and put that up on the web. And it's like, yeah, but who cares? If you've already seen the interview, you don't want to see the stuff that, that you discarded because it wasn't good enough for television. That, that is turning your social media into a garbage can <laughs> of leftovers. Who wants that? But if you start with the premise that you are, you want to bring people together, and, and if you are using social media, how would you do that? You find a different solution. The, what you now hear is um, the sewer <clears throat> maintenance. There's a big green truck, and they've opened the sewer here in the streets, and two guys in green fluorescent uniforms are lowering what I think is a camera into the sewer so probably they have a problem uh, something is stuck in there or perhaps could be could also be the the rain uh, sometimes you get inundations if the sewer doesn't function and so they first have to examine what the where the if there's a blockage and most of the time in this neighborhood it's trees because a lot of the sewer is still old-fashioned and so the, the trees, the roots of the trees are able to get through the smallest of cracks and that can clog up an entire street. Anyway, I'm glad the wind, I, I wasn't recording down, downwind. Pumbaa, not in front of the kids, a Lion King reference here. Anyway, so the, um, <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm thinking of the Lion King, sorry. Uh, squirrel, or lion in this case. Um, the, the, so the, the goal is to bring people together. I was like, then we need to go live. 
what if we go live right after a TV show and I spend uh, a while talking about the topics in the TV show with a live audience? And I can answer questions. We can ev even invite people to participate in a program, send us stuff. Uh, there are always things happening in the Catholic communities that are too small for television, at least for a show that is 25 minutes long, but that are still interesting to share. And you can do that online. So it opens it a lot more a bit of opportunities to share interesting things with that Catholic community. Plus it will strengthen because it's still me, the, the host of the show that people know, have been knowing for, for years now. Um, the fact that you are able to join that person live, it's like if a lot of you that are, have ever been in one of those live streaming sessions on Facebook, or on YouTube, that they know that it feels different. You can talk back, the person is not monologuing, but it's, it's, it's real, it's live. It's, 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 so there's sometimes a sense of excitement when people discover that I'm streaming live and they're like, oh, I never thought I'd be catching you live on Facebook. And it's like a whole different vibe than even the best produced video or podcast that I can put online. So anyway, that is what I proposed and since this is television and the budgets are different than if I do things for myself, they uh, came up with the idea, well, then we need to build a set for that. Uh, or at least, you know, if you've ever seen Casey Neistat, for instance, uh, one of the most successful vloggers, it, it, most of his vlogs start in his um, work environment. So he's got this room filled with, you know, uh, drones and, and equipment and he's making things and, and it feels very much like you're in his world. The thing is, I, my world is uh, a boring office and, you know, we, we cleaned it up, we painted the walls and we put some IKEA furniture in there, but it is not visually very appealing and it's on purpose like that because we are focusing on our screens where we're living in our computers and so they uh, hired a set dresser. So it's uh, someone who builds sets for television who came here with a few other people. And the room that we used, uh, that was used by Martin first, uh, the producer, so where we have the whiteboard and the desk, we, uh, uh, the set dresser came, he took photos, measured up everything. And now he's coming up with like a design ideas. And I'm, he's using Pinterest, so he's, He's showing all sorts of photos of, you know, this style or that style. It's a very small room. And yet, he, his um, goal is to turn that into something that feels like a home environment, but still not as messy or as personal as a, as a real living room. And something that also reflects the style of the program. So it needs to be warm. And one of the things we're going to put it in the middle of the room like a, a wooden table that is kind of rough and it kind of feels natural. We're going to put a lantern or even more lights in the background because the title of the show in, in Dutch is Father Roderick Seeks the Light or Seeks Light. So we're changing the, let's say, the uh, styling of the program where we're going to use that image of a, a lantern. Currently, we're, we're using a looking glass as a symbol for the show, but I never really liked that because it feels more, that's something that a detective uses. So it focus on, focuses on the seeking aspect, because, but the, the title is Father Roderick Seeks Light. So it's ultimately, the show is about light. 
It's about my quest to find that light. So light is a much more logical symbol, I think, for the show. Anyway, so he's, he's, he's coming up with a design, and I'm, I'm just wow to see what they can do with a small room, what a professional set dresser can do with a small room. And so he's going to do everything. During my uh, Christmas break, he's going to come with a few people, and they're going to build everything up. So for two days, they will be building this set. They're going to install professional lighting. We'll have a professional camera. So we're currently uh, thinking uh, about a Blackmagic camera, like one of the studio ones with uses uh, uh, good lenses. I'm, I'm researching the kind of app or software that we're going to use for this. And even though I, I work with VidBlaster on the PC side for my own shows, because of the green screen, uh, uh, VidBlaster is amazing in keying the background out and doing that live. Um, at the same time, with uh, what we want to do is, uh, is, is uh, a lot of interaction. So one of the services that I've been using or programs that I've used on the Mac is Ecamm. Uh, E-C-A-M-M, I think, Ecamm. And Ecamm is, is Mac only. It, it is focused on Facebook interaction, but what it, what it does really well is bringing in the comments. So I can, there is a comment box and as soon as someone posts a question, for instance, or a comment that I like, I can just, I or, or uh, the, the, the person who is uh, managing the, the, the live stream can take that comment and literally drag and drop it on the screen and it will be visible in the screen and I can answer it. And so it's visually a very, very cool way, an easy to use way to uh, show people the interaction with the audience. That is one of the main reasons that I'm thinking of um, asking for, because I need to make a list of our requirements, asking if they can provide us with a Macintosh. Because I, I have an iMac, but it's pretty unwieldy. It's a 27-incher that's really big and clunky. Um, I'm thinking of a laptop that we can use to stream, to do the live stream and to also bring in the video feed from the professional camera. And, uh, and, and that would have the, the added advantage of having like a setup that I don't have to touch. Um, so it will always be ready for streaming. And I'm, I'm excited to see how, how, what a difference it makes to hire a professional to do set dressing. I I, it's something I always dreamed of, but I never thought I would see the day that, that I would be using the, the people like that. It's amazing. So we're going to have a, a, another cameraman and who's, who knows everything about lights uh, for, for, for that. And, uh, and, and it's at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, now, now I know people that can do this also for other productions. So now I'm thinking, okay, how, what can we do for Tridio to... The, we know the people. We also know how much it will cost. And that, that is what I love about this phase in the, in the development of Tridio, is to get to work with so many professionals that can help me to bring this not to the next level, but to the next 10 levels. That's how it feels. Uh, you know I've set my aims to, on, on, on producing a series for Netflix or whatever, you know, Amazon Prime, whoever wants to. But I, I know that that is the next level somewhere in the future and hopefully not too distant future. And now that I'm working with all these professionals and I'm increasing production myself, the more people I hire, the more I do and the better it gets. And that is amazing. And plus, 
you know my mantra from the beginning of the show, always within budget, always working with the means that you have. And but always having that, that desire and that ambition and that dream to grow it, to never stay where you are, but always challenge yourself. Like what Steve Jobs said, uh, what did he say? Now I forgot. <laughs> like always keep dreaming? No, it's something more powerful than that. Always keep fighting. Uh, well, you know, one of those quotes. But, but Steve Jobs never stopped where he was. He never said back, like, oh, this phone, this iPhone 4 is going to be enough for the, 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 the next 20 years. And who, who, that's inimaginable that there can be a better phone than this. Of course, they always say this is the best phone that we've ever made. We think you're going to love it. That was kind of their liturgical mantra for every single uh, presentation. But Apple is Apple because it, it, it continued to, to evolve, to grow, to, to develop. And uh, I, I kind of have the feeling that lately a lot of that innovation has, well, definitely slowed down. And, and, uh, and, and a lot of what they do is like tiny little iterations while other companies are, are innovating much, much more. That may be one of the reasons that Apple isn't growing as much anymore, because you know, what is the incentive to get a slightly, tiny, slightly better phone that, you know, other companies make almost identical phones now with even better specs. Perhaps not the best software, but definitely specs-wise. So anyway, always, uh, always look ahead. What can I learn? How can I improve what I do? How can I uh, serve my audience better? That is, that is something that I feel is working now and is, is helping me to reach uh, the kind of the, the, <laughs> the, the dreams, to make the dreams come true that I had 10 years ago uh, in this very same place where I'm standing now. I remember I recorded a podcast about what I hoped would be the future 10 years from now. I'm standing in exactly the same spot and a lot of those dreams have come true and it's because of that persistence and that, you know, kind of, Desire, uh, never give up on, on what you know it is feasible. You just have to think about the steps to get there and, and never be afraid to take the next step. Just like my hairdresser. If he had not left Iraq and, 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 and opened that business and, and, and tried to make those connections the way he did, he wouldn't have gotten this far. And now, you know, his life is better than it was even a year ago. And it will only get better next year when he takes a Monday off. I can recommend that to anyone. Just take a day off, enjoy, build Lego sets. <laughs> That's what I intend to do. Anyway, lots of, lots of other things to talk about. Um, oh, I know the quote. I'm gonna end with, with a Steve Jobs quote. That is kind of the theme of this episode and uh, uh, that, that you probably are already yelling at your, your uh, podcasting device. Uh, stay hungry, stay hungry, because that will put you in motion. Thanks for listening. Thanks if you are a patron for your support. I uh, appreciate it tremendously. You know that I'm uh, nickel and diming everything I do to get them to make the most out of your contribution. And hopefully you enjoy that and keep supporting us. If you are not a supporter, you know where to find me. Patreon.com slash Father Roderick. I will talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.